If you would, uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, and we're going to be looking at chapter 2. We've been in Matthew chapter 2 for the first part of this series of messages on a Christmas journey. Uh, We've been in Matthew 2, but now we're looking over into Luke chapter 2. And I'll be reading a number of verses, and so uh, just follow along with me. All right? Luke chapter 2. Be looking at verse one. So, y'all there? I hear pages turning, and so good deal. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, y'all ready? All right, verse one. It says, "In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world." And verse four. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Father, we thank you for the word of God and help us to grow from it. And may it be alive in our hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, in our Christmas journey, we've seen where the wise men found Jesus in the stars and the priests found Jesus in the scrolls and here the shepherds will find Jesus in the stable, specifically a manger or feeding trough that is located in a stable, right? And uh, so anyway, I was praying this, and this whole thing just came to my mind here, I don't know, a month and a half ago and began to think and ponder on this. I've, I've preached a lot of Christmas messages. <laughs> in fact, that's one of the things I've it's been. Uh, I preached 31 as, as, as a senior pastor. I've preached 31 Christmas messages, 21 with you. And uh, how many of you know? There's just you know. I mean, how many things can you pull out of the Christmas message? <laughs> it's it's a lot. How many of you have heard a lot of Christmas messages? 
right? And probably preached a lot. Pastor J.D. probably preached a lot of Christmas messages as well, yeah. And so Christmas and Easter comes around. There's always that challenge of, you know, seeing it fresh and anew. And so uh, I pray in some way that, that uh, you could do that. And, but it doesn't matter how old the story is. It's kind of like your own testimony. No matter how, uh, how many times you hear it, every time's powerful. And I pray that we will see that. Amen? And, and along the way, we do dig in and we do see certain things. But, um, but I pray that we'll see it just like the first time. Just like sometimes you can go back and remember when Christ came into your life and how your life was changed. Though you may have rehearsed that and shared that with countless of people, countless numbers of people. It's powerful and meaningful. And uh, let it be that way through this Christmas. Amen. I pray that just the love of God and the goodness of God will just shine through um, just all of your homes during this Christmas time. And it will be a fantastic, fantastic time together. But it's a, it's a lot. It's, um, we, we've seen a lot in this Christmas journey and all the way through. And, and um, folks, I want you to know God's revealing himself. And he's still revealing himself today. And it's been great to hear the stories, even of some of those that were up here and seeing the stories. And sometimes you got to see through the dirt and the fog and the mess. But thank God when he comes shining through and you can see him. Amen. And uh, God's constantly revealing himself. And so this morning we're dealing, about the, dealing with the fact that the, the shepherds found him in a stable. Uh, which was specifically a manger that's located in the stable. This, the, the, the manger is the feeding trough that's in the stables, and, and that's where they find him. It's interesting. In fact, Pastor Chase is here with me, um, a great author and apologist, a writer, uh, Christian apologist, G.K. Chesterton. I don't know if you've, any of you read any of his stuff. Anybody heard of G.K. Chesterton? A few of you have. You read a lot in Christian history and things. And, and he said this. He said, uh, he, he wrote this in the book, The Everlasting Man. He said, it's a familiar fact that the Bethlehem scene has been represented in every possible setting of time and country, of landscape and architecture. And it is, it is an admirable fact that men have conceived it as quite different according to their individual traditions and tastes. But while all have realized that it was a stable, not so many have realized it was a cave. How many of you ever realized and studied and see that it is almost a certainty that it was that Jesus was born in a cave laying in a manger? Now, that's not common for us. Usually over here and where we live, we picture him usually in some sort of a, a shed. <laughs> type building right a manger there and most of our plays demonstrate that but uh but when you think about it Bethlehem which was located about approximately 80 miles south of Nazareth and and, and that's how far they had to travel by the way by foot Be, can you imagine being pregnant and and walking by foot or on a donkey for for 80 miles that's not anything you want to sign up for but that's what Joseph and Mary did and so about 80 miles south of Nazareth and about five miles south of Jerusalem Bethlehem is dotted with numerous caves because it's made up from light limestone that's uh, common in the region. And the caves were easily made into many shapes and were always used for uh, various kinds of things, various uh, per, uh, activities and purposes. And, um, and how do you know that caves are just a normal part of landscape in that area of the world, if you're familiar it's, it's very common, and sometimes we forget that. And isn't it something how we're always looking at Scripture, usually looking at Scripture based upon where we live, and it's hard to 
trans, you know, to traject ourselves uh, in that some other area or some other time, right? But um, I want you, if you would, and I have a picture up here that that maybe symbolize what what the cave that Jesus was likely born in, something something of this nature, and you see the the sheep there and. Uh, above it and all of that and and um, but it was the caves were were a common part of this of this landscape. If you remember through Scripture, you remember that it was Abraham who purchased a cave when Sarah had his wife had died and and purchased a cave with a field and that's where it became a burial site. And then uh, there was a time when Lot and his daughters were rescued out of Sodom. Remember, the angels came and rescued them, brought them out of Sodom. And, and it was in a cave that Lot and his daughters uh, settled, at least for a, a period of time. And you remember, too, that when King David, before he became king, when he was on the run from King Saul, Saul was after him, threatening his life. And, and David was often uh, escaping and going into caves and, and uh, Saul trying to chase him down. And uh, David also often go to the cave of Adullam. And um, in one of those particular caves, it was there that Saul went in to do his business, and David could have taken his life because Saul didn't realize it, but David was back into that back in that cave, and uh, could have taken his life, but he didn't. You remember when the when Elijah ran from ran from as uh, uh, Jezebel and uh, and was escaping from her fury. And he ran and he finally settled in a cave. And, and while he was in that cave, remember, he heard the whisper, the sound of the Lord. And God spoke to him out from the mouth of, mouth of the cave. And then it was when Lazarus was raised from the dead that uh, Jesus called Lazarus forth. And because a, a stone had been rolled in front of that cave that had been used, been used as a tomb. And then Lazarus was, was raised and set free and all of that. So... It's just a common thing. It's regularly happening. It was there. And, and when you realize that, it's almost a certainty that Jesus was born in a cave. And tradition even says that through history, that that was the case. How many of you ever pictured Jesus being born in a cave? How many of you ever thought that? Not many. Isn't that news to you? So after 31 years of preaching, you know, I'll be able to share something that, you know, I didn't know that before, right? Um, so uh, pat myself on the back. Don't I feel good? Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, in Israel, in fact, there's a place that's called the Grotto of the Nativity. And that's just a fancy word for cave or cavern, grotto, all right? But it's called the Grotto of the Nativity, and we have a picture of that also. And it's where the tradition places the birth of Jesus, um, People believe that that's where he was actually born. And scores of people will come there every year, especially at this time of year, especially around Christmas time, and they'll see that. Um, and, uh, and so you can, you can see the whole area and some of the makeup of it. And, and so it's called the, the Grotto of the Nativity. Above that area, uh, above that place that's, that was noted to being the place where Jesus was born, there's actually two church buildings there. They're located right above it, side by side. And each one of those churches has a stairway that's leading down to the grotto. You can see the stairs on the right and on the left. 
And that's coming down from two different churches on top of it. Everybody's wanting to lay claim to it, right? <laughs> and uh, so, um, but there they are. And uh, it's really, it's decked out. Evidently, there's, there's parts of it is covered with gold, particular place maybe where, where the manger was in that area. Um, but all kinds of religious ornaments and things hanging down. It looks really kind of a lot of gaudy, gaudy ornamentation and things like that. And the focus of the attention is in a, a bow-shaped depression that's back in that area. It kind of looks like a fireplace, so to speak, from here. But back into that area where supposedly the manger was, where Jesus was, was laid, where uh, Jesus was cradled there. But um, it was Chester, Chesterton who also said the riddle of Bethlehem is it was heaven that was underneath the earth. And um, it's amazing just how God has come and how he's revealed himself and done so much for us. And, um, and how he's truly come. But I want you to just look at that. And okay, we pulled up the other image. This is more, this image here is more like what you would have seen when Jesus was born. Not that. Though that might have been where it was. That's not what it looked like. It would have been more like this. Big difference, isn't there? Oh, how we tend to dress things up. And how we tend to make things in the Bible even to fit in our framework. But there's a big difference. I mean, folks, that's, that's similar to what Joseph and Mary went through. Finding a place where they could get out of the, out of the wind and out from under, you know, maybe if it was cold, maybe there was frost. Um, but find a place that was comfortable and somewhat safe and settling there. And then over the years, man has made it into this. Listen, let us be careful. Because this is, what, this is where Christmas happened. And then we go around and we decorate everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. We do it, we do it for the right reasons and my right motives. How many of you love Christmas decoration? Right? Is there anything wrong with that? No, it's great. We ought to do that and honor that. But in the middle of it, let's not lose focus of what was really going on and what was happening and, and, and who God is and how he came. And I want us to see how Christ really came. He came. He came to us in a stable. Right? In a stable. The angel said to the shepherds, and this will be a sign to you. What's the sign? <laughs> what outstanding thing did the angels give to the shepherds that they were going to know that this was the Messiah, this was Jesus? We're going to, you'll find this sign. I mean, anybody ever prayed for anything and you asked God for a sign? Anybody? Come on. Anybody ever asked God for a sign? You know, you laid a, you remember that statement that lay a fleece before the Lord? Anybody ever said anything like that? It's like it go back, goes back to Gideon. You remember when Gideon and God came and found Gideon hiding the wine press? The enemy had came, would come every year and they'd steal everything they had and steal their crops and all of this, right? And he looked down on him and said, Hey, you mighty man of valor, as he's hiding out in a wine press, right? You mighty man of valor. And, and God's going to use him to, to just conquer the enemy who is just beyond number and. And uh, preparing Gideon and, and Gideon is saying, okay, God, if, if you're going to use me, you know, I, I need convincing. And he, and he laid a fleece out. You remember the story? 
And he laid a fleece out before the Lord. And what was it? He said, God, if you will cause the frost. We've seen a lot of frost lately. You cause that frost when it comes out tomorrow morning. I check on the frost, and there's frost only on that fleece. It's like a wool rug, <laughs> all right? If you, it frosts in the morning, but it, the frost is only on that rug, then I'll know that you have empowered me, and that'll be a sign that, that you're going to give me victory over the enemy. Well, God did just that, and man, Gideon was pleased and went on his way, right? No. <laughs> what did he went, He said, Lord, if, if, you, if, if you'll tolerate me one more time, then uh, let, I want to put you to one more test. And now this time when I give it in the morning, let there be frost everywhere on the ground except not on the fleece. You know, that the fleece is dry and the rest of the ground is covered with frost. And that's exactly what God did. And so maybe there's times in your life, I'm, I'm going to tell you there's times in my life, God, I want, you to, I want you to do that. I want you to write it on the wall, you know, the whole thing, right? A sign. This is a sign. The, the angel came and said, this will be a sign to you. What's the sign? You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Folks, even then, Though they didn't have the modern conveniences like we have today, even then, people were just not in the habit of going around birthing babies and putting newborn babies in mangers, laying in a stable outside somewhere, some smelly stable. And that was their sign, right? Folks, remember, God sent in his world, his son into the world, not as a mature adult, but as a vulnerable baby. He sent him not in a mature, not in a rich setting, but in one that was most humble. He sent him not in the capital city, Jerusalem, but in that little, small, significant place called Bethlehem. He sent him not with lights and splendor and pageantry, but in the background of a dark, quiet night. He sent him not in a palace, not birthed in a palace, or some pleasant birthing room, but in a stable, lying in a manger, and he was not dressed in a robe or some sweet-smelling thing, but he was dressed in strips of cloth. And that's how Jesus came. He came in a way that we didn't expect him. He came in a way that they didn't expect him. And a lot of times, maybe God came into your life in a way you didn't expect him in a moment. You didn't expect him, but how many of you all glad that he came? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. God has come. And we're so prone to put God in our own little box and, 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 and we want him to fit into that and fit according to our tastes and our preferences and our comforts and our expectations. And, and oh, and God came to me this way and, and this is how I received from the Lord and, and this is how I prayed or this is how I did it. We assume everybody's going to do it the same way. And while everybody, it's in, everybody's going to have to call on the name of the Lord and repent of their sins, right, and believe in Him and invite Him in their heart. We all know that. But there's some particulars around our story that's different for every one of us. You may find Him in a church house. You may find Him in an altar. You may find Him at a camp meeting. You may have found Him at some Billy Graham crusade. You may have found Him wherever it was. But I want you to know wherever it is you found Him, where God actually revealed Himself to you more than you find in Him, and you invite Him into your life, how many of you know we're all equally saved amen we're changed by the power of God how many of you glad for that right so praise God so he came we're prone to just picture things in the way that that kind of fits us but that's not always 
the case, is it? When I think of Jesus in a stable, lying in a manger, I think of the promise that he would come as Emmanuel, God with us. He's God with us. And I thought about, you know, a lot of ways that people can come in. A lot of ways, you know, when uh, people come into a setting and they come into a church or whatever, a lot of ways they could come. There's a lot of ways that God could have caused his son to come. He could have come and been born into a palace. I think a lot of people would have been uncomfortable with that. A lot of people would have felt like they were not worthy. They couldn't, they just couldn't approach. But I tell you what, there's nothing more approachable (laughs) than little baby. Amen? Nothing more receptive. The one that wants to, that's, you want to receive him and love him and, 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 and be with him and, and experience that. And, and God came in that way. He's, he's here. I want you to know he's God with us. He's in this place. He's here today. And he's approachable. Amen? You don't, you don't have to try to measure up. God knows exactly who you are and where you're at. And he's come to find you and he can find us in any place in the world. Amen? But he's come in this way. He's God with us. And with God, how many of you are glad with God there's hope? With God all things are possible. Right? We can face anything. We can people going through going through what they went through here in Middle Tennessee last night, yesterday. With God, they can face it. With God, we go through trials. And glad that aren't you glad that God didn't just crank this whole thing up and, and start this world, make this beautiful place, and say, hey, you know, you know, make good use of it, and I'll see you somewhere down the road and wave goodbye. How many, of you, how many of you believe and understand that He is God with us? That He's here. How many of you realize that He is here in this room? That there are other presents. There's other present in this room. I want you to know if you could close your eyes and see with the Spirit, you would see, you would see there are angels in this room. There are angels in this room. God is in this room. We're talking with Him, and that's why. That's why when we come into the house of God, that we come not, we don't come just casually. We don't come unexpectedly. We don't come just with every other thing on our mind in the world and just talking about that. Folks, we're in the presence of God. He's God with us. He's here. And with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. God's here. Do you know Him? Are you walking with Him? Are you talking with Him? And aren't you glad that God doesn't, He doesn't live in buildings built by men's hands, but He lives in our hearts. And therefore, it's not just respecting when we come together in the house of God, in this house that's dedicated to God's people gathering, the church gathering, but how do you know that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And just as I would respect things when I walk in through these doors, I also respect my own body that is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom He abides in. God is with me. Indeed, He is in me. And if you know Him, He is in you. Amen? How many of you are glad that He's come? That He's here. He's here today. 
right? Praise you, God. The angel went on to say, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. How many of you like good news? I like good news, <laughs> right? I like good news. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy. What was that good news? The good news was a Savior has been born to you today. In the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. A Savior. Well, we don't, we don't really use that word in, in just normal conversation, do we? Come on, how many of you outside of a church setting or, you know, studying the Bible or something, how many of you ever use Savior in a conversation? We, we just don't use it really. And, uh, but the Bible says, it, good, good news of great joy, a Savior has been born to you. Well, they knew exactly what the angel was talking about. They were waiting the, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, right? The Savior has come. I'm glad that He's come. I, I, that, he's, that He's come, He's come to us. Because we could never get to him. You, you've heard this. Uh, you've heard this. Probably most of you, if not all of you, have heard it. But Billy Graham, I think, made that statement. Said all religions in the world are man's effort to get to God, but only Christianity, only Christianity, you find where God has come down to men. I mean, we can't get him. It'd be like us trying to get to the moon or trying to get to Mars. We just can't do it, right? There's no way to God. So God came to us. I'm telling you, I'm so glad that God has come. He is life. He's everything. All good things flow from Him and through Him, And right? So thankful for that. He's come, but He's come as Savior. As Savior. Now, what's a Savior? Someone who saves. All right? Someone who rescues. Kind of like a lifeguard. Anybody ever been rescued by a lifeguard? Anybody? Anybody swim? <laughs> I know a lot of people right here don't swim, like never swim. And, and uh, we're going to teach you to swim. You need to learn how to swim to let us know. We'll get you in the pool. We'll teach you to swim. We'll do like, uh, we're going back to John Wayne here, Chase, you know, that movie. I think it was in Hondo. He said, that boy, how old is he? Was, was he six years old? He said, son, you don't, know how to swim? you don't know how to swim yet? He took him and just tossed him out in the river. He said, no, now swim. <laughs> Well, I don't recommend that, and I don't say that's anointed at all. It was just thrown in there for free. But it's a Savior. He's a rescuer, right? And we can't save or rescue ourselves. And one of the things that we'll, you will see in those who have done training, you know, the, the lifeguard, when they come out to save because a person can't save themselves, the riptide's too strong, the, they're, they're worn out or something's wrong or they're, they're injured and they just can't save themselves. And what they need to do when the lifeguard there is just relax and quit fighting and let the lifeguard do his job and, and save you, him or her, and bring you back, right? And how do you know, Just some of you just need to quit fighting and trust Jesus that he's got you, that he's there, and just quit fighting and just say, God, I can't do this. I keep drowning. I keep going under. I keep sucking air. But I'm glad, Lord, I can call on you. When you call on him, trust him that he's going to be able to take care of you. I want you to know he's got you. He planned you. Your life is here for a reason, for a purpose. You're ordained by God. God caused you to be here, and he caused for you to be here at this time in this season. He knows when you're beginning from your end. He knows where you're going to live. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what he's called you to do. Trust him. 
He's got you. Amen? I'm going to look at your neighbor and say, God's got you. If you let him. <laughs> if you let him. Good news. A Savior's been born. Now, they were living under Roman rule. They were praying for the deliverer that all of a sudden they're going to they're be in charge. You know, we got people all over this world just praying for things to change and that they'll be the ones in charge. We like it when we're in charge. Amen? We think it's best when we're in charge. But somebody else who's not in charge will say, oh, man, they've messed it up. Let us be in charge. Right? And how do you know no matter what people groups in charge, they're all people, and they're all going to mess it up. Right? And so here we go, and Jesus comes onto the scene. They're saying, good, Romans are out, and we're in. <laughs> Jesus, we're ready, right? We're ready to build that army to go. Remember, even after Jesus lived for the time that he lived here and, and, and after he was getting, getting ready to sin, he'd already given his life on the cross and all of that. And, and disciples gathered together and they said, Ah, great, you've given your life, you've paid the price on the cross, you rose from the dead. Now is it time for you to raise up the kingdom of Israel? Jesus, don't, don't worry about that. You hold steady, wait in Jerusalem till you be doed with power from on high. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Right? And that day is going to come. How many know the day is going to come when Jesus is going to come? And he is going to rule and reign physically on this earth. Folks, it's going to happen. How's it going to happen? I don't know how to happen. I don't know how you explain everything God does. I can't explain how this world got here, but it's here. And I don't care what your belief system is. You can't explain how it got here either. Okay? So I don't know. But I believe God and I trust God. And he's coming, right? And he's coming as Savior. So, but they thought then and there he was going to push the Romans out and he was going to take charge. But that was not why Jesus came the first time when he came as Savior. He didn't come to kick the Romans out. In fact, he came in part to save the Romans. He came to save the, the Jewish people. He came to save all the people. Why he came and what we needed saving from is to save people from our sins. Say it, sins. Sins. That's what he came to do. He came to save us from the power of sin. Rejoice, I got good news, a Savior has come. You will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Right? I want you to think about painful time in your life. It's called painful time in your life. You've been hurt. was sin involved in it. If not directly, probably indirectly. No doubt indirectly. 
even if it was the pain of a death of a loved one, how many know there was no death before sin? There was no suffering before sin. There was no war before sin, right? But since Cain and Abel, there's been conflict in the world and there forever will be until Jesus comes. And people can cry out peace and safety all they want to, but there'll never be any peace and safety until Jesus Christ rules and reigns. That's a fact, right? But sin, the sin of being lied to, the sin of being cheated on, the sin of being abused, the sin of results of drunkenness, or addiction, the sin of infidelity, all kinds of sexual sin. There's been hurt and there's been pain, betrayal, murder, physically injured. Jesus said, I didn't come to kick the Romans out. I didn't come to help you and not them. I come to help the whole world. Because we all need saving from our sin. Ed Hawkins has hurt Ed Hawkins more than anybody else. And probably you have hurt you more than anybody else. The thing about it is, probably not much you can do, if anything, about what anybody else does to you, but there's something you can do about what you do to you. And we still let that happen, right? But how many of you glad Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin? And all about you, I'm glad I'm not hurting myself anymore, not like I used to. Oh, that might be occasional trip up every now and again a little bit, but but how many of you are glad that you can live in victory? Amen. I just don't believe you. I don't believe in this thing you just sin every day. I just don't believe that. I believe God's helped us live above sin. Does that mean we're perfect in every way? No, it doesn't mean that. But, you know, this committing sin all the time, you know, forgive me. Now I pray daily, Lord, forgive me. Amen. And, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, show me. God, I pray this all the time. Amen. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. So I pray that, Lord, help me. But I'm glad I'm no longer controlled by the power of sin, that I've been forgiven and my sins have been forgotten. Why? Because God sent his son in a, in a, in a manger, in a stable, amen, so many years ago. And his power is still at work. Amen. Hallelujah. Folks, Jesus, he just didn't come because he was bored, because he didn't have anything else to do. He didn't come because he was up there wondering, I just, I just wonder what it would like to be, to be human. I just wonder what that would be like. Let's just go try it out. He didn't, he didn't come to say, I wonder what those folks are doing down there. I think I'll go hang out with them for a little while. No. He came to save us. Amen. Are you glad he came to save us? Have you allowed Jesus to save you from your sins?